The Spirit and the Church cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Our lesson for our devotion this evening you will find in the worship folder on pages 6 and 7. It is the complete text of the psalm from this past Sunday, assigned to Advent 2. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. The word of the Lord. As we read from the prophet Jeremiah earlier, a lesson that fits very well with the theme of our psalm this evening. If you had a reaction similar to mine as I have read those words over the course of my lifetime, there's almost something of a a syndrome that occurs, a sequence that occurs. As you first are reading them, you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, this prophet has really had a challenged life and a challenged relationship with his, his Savior God. Remember, Jeremiah and his lamentations are all about after the destruction of Jerusalem, after the destruction and the carrying off of the Israelites in exile, their existence there. It was, it was gruesome. It was, it was awful. But then as you read more, you start to realize he's really not just speaking for himself. He's really taking into his person the, the entire nation of Israel, the people of the Hebrews. But then as you read further, you come to realize, no, this, this actually has elements of the Messiah himself also speaking. Words that are quoted from the cross or, or in the presentation of the crucifixion in the, in the gospel. But then, on that journey of progression through ideas, you, you also come to a realization that this prophet, these words through the prophet, by the Holy Spirit's direction, are also very fitting of my own experience with my God, my own life experience, my own challenges of, of faith and perspective in regard to the the failures and the losses and the griefs of of life in particular, the challenge of living for God and the challenge of 
finding a path to relationship with God when you know what he rightfully should see in your heart and your life and think of you and who you have been and what you have done. It's vital that we, we take a thoughtful approach to also reading the psalm for the day and, and the companion thoughts that are there because as we do, especially as we get towards the ending section of the psalm, there is available to us a, a repeated word, almost like a drumbeat, that, that is the answer, almost as if it needs to be repeated so that we don't miss it. Who this God is and what his answer is to this, this dilemma of how I see and understand God treating me for what I truly deserve and how I understand what this all means. It is the word righteousness that comes back again and again. And that righteousness links beautifully to the concept at the end of the lesson from Jeremiah regarding God's faithfulness, God's loyalty to his believers, God's unconditional and unwavering commitment to us in his promises and then in the fulfillment of those promises so that you and I, as the word comes to us, have the ability to start afresh every single morning, as the prophet calls us to. And you and I would do well if most mornings the the words on our tongues at the front of our minds were the words of this psalm. When you look at them and you listen to them, you come to realize that the psalmist is placing before us the ultimate motivation we have for repentance and renewal and it is God's righteousness. Not just his state of righteousness, the fact that he is right and just and holy and always has been and always will be, but the active nature of that righteousness. The fact that his righteousness is not something he simply speaks about, but something he gives to us as a gift. The prophet Isaiah would speak of it as a robe that God enwraps us in so only God's righteousness can be seen when God looks at us. It's often referred to as the great exchange. Isaiah 53 and and 2 Corinthians 5 speak of that as something where all of our wickedness and all of our sin and all of our brokenness and all of our infirmities even are, are placed upon Jesus and And his perfection, his righteousness, his holiness becomes ours in exchange. You and I come to realize that what Advent is all about is finding that simple balance of recognizing how much we need God to come. To come to us, individually through his word, to our hearts and to our minds, to capture them with his truth, so that we might know and understand and believe and rely in embracing God's righteousness that he's given to us as a gift. But also how much we need God to come into our world 
For in his confronting of sin and his correcting of unrighteousness, of immorality and injustice, he alone has the ability to do what most human beings have sought and worked towards, but none have succeeded. And that is bringing a righteousness and an objective balance of what is right and good and true to a world that has been desperately seeking it since the first rebellion into sin. God has been promising that righteousness from that moment. And day by day, encounter by encounter, as you and I open that word, we find there that word speaking us righteous. But God doesn't stop there. He also gives us a bath of righteousness. He gives us a meal of righteousness. He gives us body and blood in bread and wine. He gives us tangible, audible, speakable truth that not only connects us to his righteousness, but as I said earlier, enwraps us within that righteousness in a way that that's all that God sees. So when you and I think about holiness, it shouldn't surprise us that the majority of people on this earth who do not and have not throughout history understood or trusted the one true God who presents himself in the scriptures, the biggest reason they don't is their fear of him and what he has to say. Because they see and understand and acknowledge deep within themselves that the one who has made this universe is perfect and righteous and holy, as he needs to be. And in that same reality, at the core of every life is a conscience, a moral voice written there by God himself at creation and extended to every newly conceived human being from the moment they exist, a voice that helps them understand that they are not righteous, that they do not measure up, that they do not meet expectations, and if measured by God, will be found wanting and deserving of punishment for eternity. And so instead of listening to God further, the whole conversation, with balance and perspective, they run away. They distance themselves from him, running to corners of darkness like cockroaches from the light, because they fear this God who they rightfully should fear as one righteous and holy and unwilling to accept them. But if they would only continue to listen, they would learn and understand and hopefully be led by the Spirit to accept what both prophet and psalmist are telling us in these verses today. God's holiness is something to celebrate. Oh, absolutely it is something to fear. If you do not know that there is any path to life with God forever that is not of human making, that is not of ifs and wonders and computations and strategies, but rather of gift to be accepted by God, from God at his drawing into the word to help us understand. As a God who is righteous, he must 
punish and purge all unrighteousness. But his plan from the beginning was to do that himself through his own work. His plan from the beginning was becoming creature in his created universe, wrapping himself in every element of humanity as you and I know it and experience it, except for one element of it. He never succumbed to sin, nor any temptation, as fierce and ferocious as all of it might be. And so as you hear the experience from the prophet, and you link it to the response of the psalm, you have in front of you an awareness of just how grievous it must have been for the Messiah to experience the abandonment of his father, the rejection, the punishment that all of us deserved. And yet, he speaks of hope, of new mercy every day, faithfulness and righteousness that are his. And the psalmist echoes that same idea. But he takes it a step further and helps us realize God's righteousness, his gift of righteousness, not only speaks us forgiven and holy and acceptable in God's sight, but it now lives within us as it wraps around us. And it inspires and motivates and enables every possible response we might have with words and song, but with actions and confession, with service to God and to others. Everything we might endeavor to demonstrate that we understand this peace with God, that we celebrate this righteousness that he's given us, we find there everything we need. Because God has declared us holy. He's told us that he sees us as holy. And now in his word, he invites us to match that holiness in our own actions and thoughts, our our commitments and our priorities. And so we have this marvelous Advent balance of law and gospel, clear statement of truth of who God is and, and what we have always been, what God has always thought of it, and what God's clear answer has always been. It's Advent. You and I are preparing our hearts and our minds to once again acknowledge and celebrate the arrival of our God on earth in the form of a human baby. Thank him today, every day, that you have an understanding of his righteousness. And that understanding inspires your honesty with him and your confession and repentance, but also inspires every moment that you have while you still live on this earth to demonstrate to him your love and your commitment for the righteousness that he has given you and that he continues to give you every single day for your joy 
for your freedom, for your peace, and for your acknowledgement to him in everything you say and do. Amen.